so we're starting a new series today called The List. I don't, I don't know if you've ever watched a sports game that you, know, you really were into, um, maybe baseball or something. Well, I said sports, so um, uh, maybe, okay, my bad, that was good. I'm going to tell a soccer story in a second, so okay, you, you can get back at me. But, um, but you, know, you know, you get to that kind of part right at, right at the end, and you know, maybe it's a Hail Mary or something, or it's like the, the, they drive all the way down the, the thing, and, and, and it, they throw the ball, and maybe the guy's wide open, and it, it hits him in the hands, and he drops it. And we think, how do you drop it? Or like when I was 11 years old, um, I, I played soccer my whole life, and um, uh, I always played defense. And one game, I dribbled all the way up to the goal. I was literally, like if this, these four panels are the goal, I was literally right here. And I, I, I kicked it, and it went over, <laughs> which I didn't even think physically was possible to be that close and have the trajectory go over the thing, but I did. I, still, I, I have been in counseling and still can't get, get rid of it. I kicked it over the goal, right? But, but we don't, I mean, with little kids, if you're 11 or, or whatever, you kind of expect that under pressure, they're gonna, they, they might buckle, you know, because they're, they're young. Uh, I want to show a quick video um, right now as to how the New England Patriots uh, are, are, are in the Super Bowl uh, t- today. So, so check, check out what happened. Field goes 32 yards to tie. And the kick, look out! Look out! It's no good! It's no good! strongly that I could have made that kick. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I just, and I know, I know, cause that's, that's what happens all the time. And you'll, you'll, you'll do it today as you're sitting in the couch with the, you know, thing of chips and the, those little sausage weenies in the other hand. And you're going to be like, I could have caught that. Right. And then everyone's just like, well, why don't you get up off the couch? I can't get up off the couch, but I could have caught that ball. You know, we, we all do this, right? Because, because we have this thing with professional athletes that, you know, whether it's like a three-foot putt or whatever, it's like you're 
paid to perform. You get paid millions of dollars to perform. And when you perform well, you're all beating your chest and not, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. But when you perform poorly, it's like, ah, oh, like the full weight of that comes down. I mean, poor Billy Condiff, you know, I mean, he, I, I don't know if you saw, but in slow motion, when he kicked it and it, and it shanked, he like looked down at the ground, like, I think there was something down there that knocked, right? I mean, we all do that, right? You know, you miss it, you drop it, and you're like, oh, no, the sun was in my eyes, the wind, all this kind of stuff. But, but we expect those people to perform because really there's been a lot invested in them. If you think about a professional athlete and just from the time they were maybe seven years old and they first started playing that sport until when they reached, you know, the Super Bowl, there's been a lot, a lot invested in them. And so we expect when the ball hits you in the hands, you're going to catch it. When you're 32 yards out for a little chip shot, you're going to make it. If you're standing over just a little putt, you're going you're gonna to make that putt. If the, if the ball's coming and you're an outfielder, you're going to catch it. We just have this expectation because there's so much riding on, on that person. and There's been so much invested. I mean, if you think about football, uh, you know, coming into the Super Bowl, you know, they had their contract problems er- er- earlier in the summer, but they worked all that out. And then it's just game after game after game and week after week after week of practice and practice and practice and films and all this kind of stuff. And they, they, they look at every little thing and they, they see if they're okay, if we can, what, what can we capitalize on? What can we expose? What are the little details that we have to work on to make sure that we're executing the way we're supposed to execute? Because we just expect a lot of our athletes. We've invested a lot in them. I think in a lot of ways, this is kind of like the Christian life. I mean, when you begin to look at the expectation of what a life with Christ is like, as scripture talks about it, you think, man, life with Christ should be pretty much awesome. (laughs) Like if I'm if, you know, some thing, little thing happens to me, I should be able to handle it. I, I, to put it another way, I should be able to perform under pressure. I mean, you, you look at John chapter 10, verse 10. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. John fifteen 11. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 1 Corinthians 3.22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. All of it. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. 1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Grace, may grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. These are the types of scripture verses that are described, that describe what a life with Christ is like. So, so what's the disconnect? Why is it that in my life, oftentimes, I can't even catch a little 10-yard pass? The pressure's too much, and I drop the ball. 
Why, why can't I just, I'm standing five feet in front of the goal and Jesus is on the side. I was going, kick it. And I'm like, Deek. and it goes over. And he's like, ah, you know, he had 50 bucks on that game. No, he didn't have that. Game. I'm jo- I was joking. It's an office pool. Okay. For Ephesians 1, 3, bless, uh, he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Everyone. Colossians 2.10, and you've been given fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and authority. What, what, what is the disconnect? How is it that I have all these things in Christ, all the fullness, all the uh, stuff that he provides, the joy? I'm supposed to have a, an abundant life, a full life. I'm supposed to have complete joy. Where, where is the disconnect? This, for the next few weeks, we're going to go over a series called The List. And The List is really kind of like watching film. You know, you know what will happen is if you're uh, in any sport where it matters, uh, usually your coach has film that you watch. I didn't mean it that way, Aaron. Okay. Uh, it, 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 they have film that you watch. So, so in other words, if you're going into CIF playoffs in high school, there's a pretty good chance you're going to have a film of the other team or you're going to be watching a film of your team. So you'd, you'd watch your, your game and uh, anyone who's played football, you do this usually the, the, on Mondays. You go, you watch the film from Friday and, 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 and you know, you, you're about ready to catch the pass and it hits you in the helmet and they do it in slow motion and you're like, oh, I was looking at the popcorn guy. Okay, if I look at the popcorn guy, I can't catch the ball. Don't look at the popcorn guy anymore. Got it. Like film shows you that kind of stuff. The list is like film. And so, in other words, you, you, you look at your life and you have different times of our lives, different areas of growth and different things. We can look at the list and go, you know what, I think that's where I messed up. And that's the whole point of the list. It's just to kind of shed some insight on how God is working in your life. Shed some insight on maybe uh, some things that we need to work on. Because by completing the list, by working out that list... God has some promises for us, some things that almost don't seem true. As a, as a matter of fact, uh, the next verse that we're going to read, because what we're going to do this morning is it's just an intro to the list. We're going to read the verses before the list and the verses after the list. And we're just going to see kind of like, how, what, what, what's the point of the list? Why, why would we be spending uh, a week on every one of those little things? Like, what, what, What's so important about the list? And so we'll be looking at that. But this morning, we're going to look at how come oftentimes we get to a spot where we don't look like there's so much invested in us and we don't perform. Francis Chan, uh, Kip Smith, who is, works with our youth here, on the bottom of his emails, he's got this quote by Francis Chan. And uh, it kind of it sums it all up for us. It says this, If I told you I had an encounter with God where he entered my body, and gave me a supernatural ability to play basketball, wouldn't you expect to see an amazing improvement in my jump shot, my defense, and my speed on the court? And if you saw no change in my athleticism, wouldn't you question the validity of my encounter? Yet when those outside the church see no difference in our lives, they begin to question our integrity, our sanity, or even worse, our God. 
And can you blame them? This series isn't to make us feel guilty. Because we can all sit here and go, well, yeah, I should have done this better, should have done that. Well, of course, we can all do that. This series is designed for us to, as a church, as kind of our own lives, to look at some film and maybe go, oh, okay, I can tweak this. I can work on this. Okay, I, I've got, I, I'm working my way down the list, and I got, I, you know, it's working, and oh, man, this one's going to be tough. What can I do to kind of shore up those things? What do I need to work on? You know, if, if you take the athletic uh, thing, like what, where in the weight room do I need to train? Do I need to work on my speed? Do I need to work on my agility? Like, like what is it? The list is there to show us a mirror of ourselves to say, listen, is there anything lacking in these areas? If so... It's probably going to be the place where you drop the ball or can't kick the 32-yard chip shot. That's probably going to be it. And so what we want to do is not to just go, okay, you're terrible at this. You can't do this. No wonder. Here's a, God did all this for you, and you can't even know. It's the opposite of that. Because this verse I'm going to read, we have to ask ourselves, is it true? Is this verse true? Because when we read it, If it's true, our lives should be reflecting something awesome. And if it's true, our lives can reflect something awesome. It's found in 2 Peter. Chapter 1, verse 3. What we're going to do is over the next, we're going to skip some verses, but we're going to kind of go through this slowly so that we can really gear up for the the, the, kind of... Um, the surrounding verses of this list. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything. Can that possibly be true? That God's divine power, the God who created the universe, spoke it into existence the God that knows our heart, the God God that uh, is in control, the God that can provide for us, can protect us. That God, that divine power, the power that uh, was manifested in Jesus Christ when he came and he began healing people, he began feeding the 5,000, like that divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Can that be true? And if it is true, can you imagine the kind of resources we have available to us? The kind of facilities, if we're training, that we have in Christ? His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now, life is life, okay? So, so, so you mean to tell me that if I get laid off, God has already given me everything I need to be able to handle that situation? You mean, okay, so my boyfriend breaks up with me. I, in Christ, can handle that? Okay, all the stress I have at my work, you don't even know how many hours I work. I work so many hours. I work 70 hours or 80 hours a week. I mean, I mean God's divine power has granted all, all of that? Oh, you don't know my marriage. If you knew my marriage, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be. Like, God has enough for that life. Not, not the fun life, that, that life. Could that be true? And godliness. Like, oh, I, you don't know the sin I struggle with. You don't, I can't, I mean, Jesus, he did it. But, but if you, I, 
I can't get over this one thing. Has he really given me everything to get past this particular thing in my life? It's, it's true. He has. In Christ, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So then what's the problem? I think the problem is the list. I think when we get to the list, we start to realize, okay, he's provided everything, but are we really accessing it? Let me read on what it says here. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. This word precious is is really cool because Peter uses it seven times as he's writing. He talks about Jesus's precious blood. He talks about us being precious stones. He talks about Jesus being the precious cornerstone. He just, he he uses it uh, quite a bit. He calls our faith more precious than gold. That God has granted to us these promises. You think, well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe he's promising them, but then he hasn't given them to us yet. His divine power is granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, but it's these promises. Like we're wait, maybe it's something in the future that we're supposed to get, and we just hang on to the promise. Oh, someday I'm going to have enough patience to handle this situation. It's not what it's saying. He's going to give us these uh, through these, he's given us these very great and precious promises. Now, the next section of scripture, again, we say, can this, can this next sentence be true? Well, it's all one verse, or one sentence this whole verse is. But because it's just too wonderful. He says, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature that you might actually participate in the divine nature. Now, if I were to kind of just take a poll here in in church, and I just said, hey, how many today have participated in the divine nature? I mean, it just sounds so glorious, you know? You'd go, I don't know, the divine I mean, I I did pretty well this week, you know? I I only got upset four times. I only did this, you know? It's It's like this idea of participating in the divine nature gives us the idea that there's something else going on than just what we see day to day. That there's something else going on other than just getting through life. As a matter of fact, our point for this morning, if you want to write it down in your, in your uh, bulletin, is that life is more than coping. Life is more than just trying to get by. It's more than medicating our way so that we just finally just try to make the most out of anything we can. It's, 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 it's more than just one crisis to another. There's another thing going on in life. The way the Bible describes it is that there's a, there's a, there's a physical world and there's a spiritual world. And what Peter's beginning to say is, listen... If you want to rise above the circumstances of your life, if you want to start to look at things a little differently, if you want to start looking at your job, maybe instead of just something that's right here, you want to start to see, you know what? Maybe some of these things I'm going through have eternal value. Maybe this next conversation I'm going to have with this client on the phone has eternal value. Maybe the fact that my locker is right above this person's locker has eternal value. 
you're beginning to participate in the divine nature. That's how God thinks. God thinks in terms of the kingdom. He thinks in terms of eternity. He thinks in terms of of kind of the shalom, the way things should be. He thinks in terms of redemption. He thinks in terms of salvation. He thinks in terms of justice. It's not just getting by. Life is more than coping. And if these verses are true, it says that he's given us everything to be able to participate with that eternal kingdom in mind. And if that's true, it's going to begin to infiltrate into every single area of our lives. How we spend our money, how we talk to people, how we spend our time, what's important to us, how we treat those around us. And as we begin to get into the list, we'll begin to see how all these different things that Peter writes out have a huge impact on us participating in the divine nature. Now, in order to kind of drive this fact home, that there's this eternal spiritual world and that there's this carnal physical world, he goes on and he says, so not only will you, um, so that you may participate in the divine nature, but you might escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. So what does that mean? That doesn't mean you escape the world. It doesn't mean we, we all go and we, we, we live in a hut out in the middle of nowhere and just, and just sing Jesus songs. We, es- we don't escape the world. We escape the corruption. In other words, when we participate in the divine nature, it's almost like it doesn't matter what's happening around us. That we rise above what's going on and that we avoid the corruption. Now, he goes on. So, so he says this. So, so if you're going to do that, in other words, let's just, let's just review. Because the, the list has to be understood in this context. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. You want to live a godly life? He's given it to you. You got it. You, you want to live a life that you're not beholden to your circumstances, that every time something little thing changes, there's this big drama crisis? He's, give, he's given it to you. He's given you, and, and that through those promises and through those things, we can participate in the divine nature. And that we can be, we can escape the corruption of just being drugged down all the time by what's going on in the world, the economy, all that kind of stuff. He says, for this very reason, in other words, the reason for the, for this very reason, make every effort. Now, what's he saying? Okay. For this very reason, in other words, if you want, if you want to accept that God has given you everything pertaining to life and godliness, and you want to participate in a divine nature, one that rises above your circumstances. For this very reason, make every effort. And now we begin to get to maybe a little hint as to what's going on here. If he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, what's the effort for? I mean, if it's given to us, shouldn't we be dubbed divine nature and be like, oh, yes, I don't, you know, we... we, we sit like this, you know, like, like if he's given it to us, shouldn't we just get it? I mean, I mean, if, if I accept Christ and I go, God, forgive me of my sin and, and I accept Christ. And then I, it's like, shouldn't, if he's given it to me, what's this make every effort thing? 
we're starting to get a hint as to how God works. This, this idea of making every effort uh, means to be diligent, to, to, to pay attention. To what? We make every effort to what? To pay attention to the list. Now, I didn't list the list. And some of you are already trying to read the list. You know what? Okay, no, that's the whole point. Read the list this week. Analyze the list. Question the list. Why aren't things on the list that you think should be on the list? How come there are things on the list that you wouldn't put on the list? Do you want to participate in the divine nature? Essentially, it's saying, pay attention to that list. It's an important list. Okay? So, then he goes on again. And again, you get to another verse right after the list where you go, can this possibly be true? Let's break that down. It says this. If you possess these qualities, in other words, the qualities of the list, in increasing measure. Now, this is, this is, this is very key when we talk about the list. This idea of increasing measure should give us a lot of freedom. In other words, Peter isn't saying he's expecting you to get it all on what, like, I'm going to make every effort and then I'll just get it, right? As a matter of fact, don't we oftentimes come in to, to, uh, um, we get frustrated because we believe, okay, every effort, if I just really try my hardest, if I can just, I'm just going to, oh, I'm just going to give it my best college try, and then it doesn't work, and we go, ah, forget it, right? Maybe the effort isn't trying harder. Maybe there's something else. And it's, it's really neat that Peter says, look, if, these, if you possess these qualities and they're increasing, in other words, you can kind of measure them and they go a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And you, you've seen this in your own life, right? I mean, when we first come to Christ and we kind of start this life, we're dealing with certain struggles that, that are just the ones right in front of us. And we go, oh, I'll never get over this. And then over time, uh, you, you begin to kind of through reading the word and being in, in a community. And all of a sudden, those things start kind of kind of working their way out. And then God gives you a whole nother set of things that you're, you're supposed to work on. You're like, what? I got, okay, if you knew then that you'd only be struggling with those things, you'd be really excited. It's just that you forget that stuff and you go, oh man, now, you know, I think I got an anger problem. I think this or whatever. I mean, before it was just alcohol. Now I've got an anger problem. Like God's just kind of like moving you through this. It's exciting to know that God can work through us in increasing measure. Not all at once. And not by our own just effort. The fruit of the spirit which is kind of how these things are measured, um, is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, and, and, and a tree, of, of like an orange tree, my neighbor has an orange tree that, that has lots of oranges on it because our pool had a pool leak and fed that tree very well. Um, <laughs> Uh, but that tree doesn't wake up in the morning like, and then, you know, a, like a, a fruit just like pops on there. It's a natural flow of how God created that tree. First, 
you drill a hole in the pool. Second, water saturates the ground. So there's a giant sinkhole. And then, uh, and then chlorinated oranges come out the, 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 the top of it, right? It just naturally happens. This is the idea of possessing these qualities in increasing measure. It's not a, you know, come here, come here, let's look at your list. Now we're going to teach you something. It's, hey, great job. Now let's, let's move on. It's, it's like watching film. It's like, hey, remember when we first started watching film, you couldn't even run that route right. You couldn't even do anything. But now look, now what I want you to do is when you plant your right foot, I want you to swivel your head. Like it, it start, God just starts to begin to go, great, good. Now, here's what we're going to work on. We're going to slow it down to super slow motion. That's what the list is for. Now watch what he says. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, watch, watch the promise that God has for you. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will keep you from being ineffective. That that, that just means uh, inactive. In other words, you're maybe on the injured thing or you're just sitting on the bench, essentially. It'll keep you from just sitting on the bench, watching the game from the sidelines. And some of you today are probably in that particular place in your life. You're you're saved, whatever, everything's great, but you're just sitting on the bench. You just think, well, no one can use me. I gained an extra pound. I can't, I have my bum knee and I can't. that's, that's, um, That's ineffective. Unproductive just means unfruitful. In other words, you might get out in the game, but like you're running and like the ball just hits you in the head. and You're like, oh man, like that's unproductive. You're not doing much while you're out there. If you possess those qualities in increasing measure, you won't either be ineffective or unproductive. God will begin to use you in the game that maybe you thought you could never make it in. Maybe you've just been sitting on the sidelines. Maybe because of your past. Maybe you dropped a really important touchdown pass and somebody told you, you know what? Just go sit down. You can't be used anymore. You can wear the uniform, you know, you can dump Gatorade on the coach after we win the game. But other than that, uh, you, you just sit down there. God doesn't want you doing that. God doesn't want you sitting there. Yeah, he knows you dropped the ball. He knows you missed the 32-yard chip shot. He doesn't care. That's what the list is for. That's what watching the film is for. To go, look, did you learn from your mistake? Good. Get on out there. Unproductive is the same thing. It's like, well, I, don't, I, I feel every time I... Every time I stepped out on the field, I didn't feel like I knew what to do. You ever have that feeling? Like um, if you're a new Christian and, and a whole bunch of people are praying and they're just like, oh, Heavenly Father, God Almighty. And they're like, the stuff's flying out of their mouth and they, it comes for your turn to pray. And you're just like, yeah, what's up? Ah, oh, what's up? I didn't know what I wanted to say. Oh, the, whatever he said, which sounded really good. I don't know. God, God, God doesn't care about that. He wants you plain and he wants you productive. And here's the promise. You can do it. You can do it. Now watch. He goes on. He says, he'll keep you from being ineffective or unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he kind of goes on because that's the positive. But Peter's not done yet. Because he says, listen, it's not just about being ineffective and unproductive. I mean, Oh, he's sitting on the bench and having a uniform and all that. There's another element. And he says this, 
But if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind. It's like, well, can't, I think I'd rather just be uh, ineffective and unproductive, right? I mean, can we go back to the ineffective part? Like, I'd rather sit on the bench. You know, you don't understand. Then you're nearsighted and blind. Wait a second. I don't want to, I'd rather just play. That's what he's saying. You can, this idea of nearsighted, and we've all gotten nearsighted, is you just, all you can see is the stuff right in front of you. The, the pink slip, the thing that that person said to you that, you know, oh, it, that's what nearsighted is. You can't get past the thing. You can't get to the point. And I've done this so many times in my own life. This is why I love the list. Because we just go through these times in our lives. There are times in my life I wake up and all I can think about is this church. Like all I can think about is what's wrong with it. <laughs> like, oh, we need to do the patio. We need to do, oh man, if only we could. Oh, that's called being nearsighted. That, that's what it means when it says, you know, all you can do is just think about that stuff. God's thinking about stuff way beyond you know, first service today, four people came to Christ, right? Now, that's being far. So if I wake up in the morning and I think about the patio, instead of four people coming to Christ, it's being nearsighted. That's the first thing we have to watch out for. The second thing is being blind. This is the word Jesus used when he was talking to the, uh, to the disciples, to the Pharisees. He says, you guys are blind guides. You strain out a gnat. You swallow the whole pick and camel, right? You, you, you tie up heavy loads on men's backs and you don't lift a finger to help them. You're, you're blind. You've totally missed the spiritual element of it. Now, let's just review. Because right in the middle of this is a list. You get everything pertaining to life and godliness. It's been granted to us. And then... We have these precious promises to allow us to participate in a divine nature, almost to rise above it all. And so we're supposed to make every effort to pay attention to this list. And if we do, and those qualities start to bubble up in us and they start to get a little bit better in an increasing measure and a little bit better, we're going to be neither unproductive or ineffective. But if we don't, if we don't do that, we're going to miss out on all that God has already given us. And we're going to become nearsighted and blind. That's the importance of this list. Now watch what he says here. He says he's forgotten that he's been cleansed by his past sins. This is another key into the whole idea of the list. This particular thing to forget that you've been forgiven of your past sins is a warning from Peter. That maybe the first thing to understanding all that God has given us for life and godliness is to keep a finger on the pulse of that idea that God has forgiven me. I, I'm, I'm, he ransomed me. I wouldn't have the life I have without Christ, a relationship with Jesus. Like maybe that's the first part of understanding, of unlocking the door that all that God has for you for life and godliness is to keep in mind, you know what? I've been forgiven. Now all of a sudden, that rent check, ah, whatever. I'm saved. 
I have a relationship with God. We're gonna, it's going to work out. It'll be fine. It's not, it's not the end of the world. That dear John letter that says, hey, I'm sorry, we're going to break up. Oh, no. Lisa did that, sent me about four of those. I think that's where they got the term. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sobbing. I remember one time, see, now I'm, now I'm just, now I'm just, you're just my counselor. Uh, one time I was, uh, she sent me a letter or called me or something. And, uh, and so I'm with my friend, Paul, uh, who is here speaking. He's a missionary in Indonesia. And I'm, uh, I'm, my hands are over his, his shoulder. <laughs> I was just, I was sobbing like a little baby. It was very awesome. I just said that cause it's, it's amazing that she still stuck with me, but, um, right. Those things, those nearsighted things, th- 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 those things, just remembering I'm saved. It's so simple and it seems so trivial, but just to know, you know what, God, I, you redeemed me. Here's the way Jesus kind of, Jesus told the story of this, this, uh, this, this um, guy who owed a king a lot of money. He owed him millions and millions and millions of dollars. And so the king forgives this guy of, his, of the debt that he owes. Okay? And then the guy goes back to his buddy who only owes him a few bucks and throws him in prison to pay back the debt. And the king was like, I forgave you all that and you're throwing your buddy in jail for just a few dollars? This is what happens when we forget that we've been forgiven of our sins. God goes, I've I've ransomed you. I've redeemed you. You're going to spend eternity with me. And you're worried about a rent check? What? Like you're you're going to okay, you were destined to spend eternity without me. We're going to be hanging and you're worried about the next 5, 10 years of your life? Like you know how long eternity is? And you're worried about that? You're worried about your business? You're worried about that relationship? You're worried about what school you're going to go to? Forget all that. Maybe a key, maybe the key, to unlocking all that God has for us is to remember that he's forgiven us. Now watch. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager. That word means diligent to make every effort again. There we are. We're back to the effort to make sure, make, to make your calling and election sure. Listen to this. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Could that be true? Could it be true that God has provided something for us to live a life that kind of rises above What's happening to the Dow Jones? Like rises above the being upside down in my house. Those are important things. But could it be true that God is saying, look, there's another thing. Now watch what he says. Does he kind of, and you will receive a rich welcome. Listen to this. Into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This eternity doesn't start when we die. <laughs> Being welcomed into this eternal kingdom, it's not like, look, just slug it out as best you can in life. Do the best you can not to sin and not to do that. And then at the end, we'll kind of add it all up. And then that's when it's really going to begin is when you die. Then you're in heaven, new body, new this. There's no more tears. That is not what this is saying. What it's saying is when you're ready to participate in the the divine nature, 
and you do, and you begin to go through the list, and you begin to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Jesus goes, welcome to the kingdom. Doesn't everything look different now? Don't your circumstances look totally different now? And you go, yeah, wow, this is really cool. That's the life God has for you. We are in our- 